Back is Ben with plenty of time. Now they close on him, and this pass is caught, and that's a touchdown for Juju Smith-Schuster, his third of his rookie season, and it covers 31 yards. Ben to Juju. It is tough to turn around uh, physically because it is such a demanding sport, a demanding game. Um, you know, we're, we're a pretty beat-up football team, and to turn around in two days and, and go out and play another physical football uh, team is going to be tough. They're going through it, too. Fake to Henry, blocked by Kelly, and into the end zone, touchdown. Matthews, Rashard Matthews, 16-yard touchdown pass. I've seen more guys get hurt in the pocket than I've seen them running, so, I mean, you know my feelings on that. Um, going back there to Cordell days, you know, I just they can at least protect themselves if they're out of the pocket with design runs uh, compared to standing there like sitting ducks. So I, I have no problem taking advantage of a, a guy that's got the threat that he has of going the distance. Portals in the gun. Gets the snap from his own 28. He's back. He wants to run. He's hit. He's down at the 25 by TJ One. Right wing feed for Reinhardt. He goes off Dublin. Left wing feed for Pouliot with a shot and a save made by Murray as he slides across. Another huge save by Matt Murray. Scoochie from left to right and robbing Pouliot. And now here's a chance in front and they score. Cutting to the net was Benoit Pouliot. He beats Murray on the backhand. A power play goal for Buffalo with six seconds left in this second period makes it 4-3. Yeah, they played with a lot of speed and a lot of intensity, especially early. Um, I think they caught us by surprise a little bit, which uh, we need to have a better start. But um, they were coming hot right off the get go. I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. That tonight's going to be a good night. That tonight's going to be a good, good night. A feeling. It's time for Saverin on Sports. Do you have that same kind of feeling? I do. Remember I told you I had a feeling that they were going to go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. I don't get them all that often. I don't get good feelings all that often. But I have a feeling about tonight's game. Is this the night the Steeler offense finally breaks out? Is this the night where all those pieces individually mold together, meld together into the collective? All the indicators seem to be there. Everybody's been waiting patiently. Hasn't happened. In your view, is this the night? It's also interesting to me that if you're not going to the game, you may see replays, but if you're going, if you're not going to the game, you're going to watch on TV, that NBC slash the NFL Network is going to use the aerial cam that you see on the guide wires up there um, for a majority of the plays, except on third downs. Third downs will use a convention, conventional camera shot. It's trying to give you a different look. And one would think, right, this is a concession to flagging ratings, that they're trying to give it more of a modernistic view, maybe to attract younger viewers who are used to that sort of thing or more used to that sort of thing. I would think that's the reason. 
Our scouting report on the Tennessee Titans will come from former NFL head coach Dave McGinnis. He was former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He was the associate head coach of the L.A. Rams until Jeff Fisher uh, got fired last year. He's currently the color commentator on the Titans radio network. He's in town for the game, obviously, and he'll join us today at 1.30. Another Steeler item I wanted to talk about today, which we'll do at 1 o'clock, last year's NFL draft was a good one for the Steelers. I mean, anytime you get three not only did you get three starters on defense, you got three productive players in Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Javon Hargrave. That's a pretty good draft. Just based on the fact you've got three starters, they started midway through the season, and they're productive and continue to be so. So here we are nine games in, and usually you have to wait a year or two to evaluate a draft, but how would you evaluate the 2017 Steelers draft thus far? Juju, T.J. Watt, James Conner, Sutton, of course, was injured. How would you evaluate this rookie crop? Ways to go, but nine games in, two starters. We'll talk about that, and I want you to get your opinion on that. The Penguins are in Ottawa tonight. They had an optional skate. Matt Hunwick did skate with the group in a regular jersey. We'll see if that means he's going to be in the lineup tonight. The Penguins are starting to score goals again, but they're scoring barely recently more than they've allowed. Based on the numbers, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. And I know some of that is skewed by the 10-1 and 7-1 loss, but still... They've given up the second most amount of goals in the NHL, and because they've played more games than most, that explains some of that. But three, they've given up the fourth most goals per game in the NHL. They can't be happy about that. What what's happened here? We'll talk to Mark Madden about that and other stuff at twelve thirty. Also, some news on the Dallas front. Always interesting. Well, maybe not. That's all ahead today. Here's how you get involved. Hope you will. 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. Post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet. At Stan, love the show. So the Tennessee Titans come in here with a record of 6-3, and three, pretty good, tied for their division lead. And they have won four games in a row. However, the four-game winning streak is comprised of victories over Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis. Not exactly murderer's row. I'm making fun of those victories because those four teams comprise four of the Steelers' seven victories. But in terms of the streak, and of course the Steelers have their four-game winning streak, I think that mitigates it somewhat to a degree. As far as the Steelers' offense is concerned, I mean, everybody's been waiting for it. 
Certainly injuries, at least on the offense, have not been an issue. Shouldn't be an issue because it's not. They've only been highly productive at times, and fortunately for them, at times where they needed to be, like the second half Sunday. But to chastise fans and media for suggesting that a 7-2 and two record covers up all the inadequacies of the offense is just mistaken. There have been problems. But the mechanism to fix those problems are there. And I'm asking you, do you think tonight will be the night? There are several good reasons to think that may be the case. First of all, I don't know if there's such a thing as momentum from game to game. There is in-game in football. I believe that. Whether the second half in Indy will carry over, serving as a platform, a springboard to getting where they want to go, I don't know. But here are a couple of factors that I think that we ought to consider. First of all, the Tennessee defense, despite the fact it is coached by Dick LeBeau and Shea Townsend and Nick Eason and Heath Willis and so on, so on, is ranked 16th in total defense, smack dab in the middle. They're only 22nd in scoring defense. They're 26th in red zone defense, and they're only 28th in sacks. Maybe looking at the positive, Maybe the Steelers are due to break out. I kind of think you're going to see a lot of no huddle tonight. I don't know if Dick LeBeau does more substituting than most defensive coordinators, but when you run no huddle, that limits that to a degree. And not that this all is on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders, but the offense, of course, does center around the quarterback. And for whatever this is worth, In his career, in primetime games at Heinz Field, in the regular season, when he's been the starter, Ben and the Steelers are 18-3. and three. Let me repeat that. In Ben's career, when the Steelers have played a regular season primetime game, like tonight, and he started the game, he came in a relief in that one game, they're 18-3 and three at Heinz Field. Now, I don't always buy into those things. But it's worth noting in, uh, anyway. I just look at the combination of the defense they're playing, which can't be overlooked. Listen, we've heard this a thousand times. Jacksonville came in with the second-worst pass defense or run defense it was. That's right, the run defense. And they ran only 15 times. Indianapolis, horrible defense, this, that, and didn't do anything for 40 minutes of the game thereabouts. The Minnesota game, 
although their defense has turned out to be pretty good, we heard about they had issues. Well, whether they did or they didn't, the Steelers certainly didn't exploit them, although they did score 26 points in that. And the Jacksonville defense, of course, has proven to be pretty good. So the mere numbers of Tennessee's defense struggling from time to time, it makes you wonder if that'll be a factor. And on Tennessee's 6-3, and three, and if you're going to sit there and say, well, the Steelers are 7-2, and two, don't worry about the other things, well, then these things I've brought up, Tennessee is 6-3, and three, but I do think it's notable that their four-game winning streak has come against the teams I mentioned. The Steelers' winning streak, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Detroit, Indy, not another murderer's row, but you did have the win at Kansas City. <clears throat> you can't live on, uh, on that alone. And traditionally, the Steelers have been a better team at home. And maybe more importantly, we're talking about the offense finally breaking out. Ben Roethlisberger has been significantly better at home. I mean, any team is better at home, except for those teams that are winless or have one win. doesn't seem to matter much there. But in general, obviously, you're playing at home. You're going to have a better record than you do on the road in general. And I think that's been particularly true of the Steelers. We still haven't figured out the reason why. But if the quarterback is the most important figure, the central figure, whether he hands the ball off to Le'Veon Bell or not, you can seldom survive a bad game by the quarterback. And as I mentioned to you yesterday, and I've cited this often, this goes back to the middle of last season when they continued to struggle on the road, and at this point they were 4-5 and five at one point. Ben's quarterback rating more than 20 points lower on the road than it is at home. Now why that is, no one seems to know. No one seems to be sure about that. But it is a fact. So five of the remaining seven games are at home. Including tonight against a team that is six and three, but has some issues defensively. And by the way, I mentioned Ben's record in primetime games at home, 18 and three. In his last six games in that category, home primetime starts. The Steelers are 6-0. and Ben has completed 69% of his passes. He's thrown 20 touchdown passes and only two interceptions. So that's the question. Is that night tonight? We're still going to talk about that. Dave says, please let this be the night we go no huddle a couple times. What are we waiting for? If you truly trust the defense, which everyone says is much improved, there's much less risk to go no huddle even if you do go three and out. 
yeah, at this point, I would agree. I do think you're going to see a lot of that. Is this the night that they finally break out? Well, Dave says that they go no huddle. I don't know if that's an automatic or a guarantee, but it seems like that would be the case. And a couple of other items we're going to be discussing and people are already commenting on, this uh, this Skycam thing they're going to use, I, I don't know. I, I'm not wild about it. I won't be subject to it. I'll be at the game. I'll look at the monitors up there and, you know, check it out a little bit. But it seems kind of a transparent attempt to give it a different look. But the rating's going south. Michael says they need to give Connor more carries. Juju and TG are doing well, but Connor needs more playing time, period. We'll see if that is the case tonight, although if they're going to go no huddle, you probably won't see a lot of James Connor. I don't think they trust Connor yet with pass protection. All right, a couple of other Steeler topics. Three of them, really. Number one, this thing with the sky cam, it's getting different reactions here. We're going to deal with that. Also, the Steeler rookie crop, a very good one last year. You're not going to hit on all seven or eight or six, whatever it ends up. But when you get three starters and three very good starters and guys who figure to be starters for the next 10 years, that's a pretty good draft. What about this year's crop? How would you rate this 2017 Steelers rookie class, which, of course, includes Connor, T.J. Watt, Juju Smith? Those two are starters. Also, our scouting report on the Tennessee Titans from their color analyst on their radio network, Dave McGinnis, the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, assistant head coach with the L.A. Rams. He'll join us today at 1.30. Coming up, the Penguins are in Ottawa tonight. Their defense has become very porous. What's going on with that as we hit the quarter pole of the season? We'll talk about that next. Mark Madden joins us today at 12.30 on Sabrin on Sports. Barry Crosby and Latang against Eichel, Kane, and Beaulieu. Penguins control off the opening draw. It's Latang. Flipping one through to the net. That was deflected by Sherry high and wide. Far corner. It's Crosby on the backhand. Behind the net. Sidney Crosby side of the net. They score! It's Connor Sherry. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. Penguins win in overtime. Well, you're happy to see it go in the net. I mean, there's a few more probably could have had tonight, but... Um, there are some good chances, and you know, I think as long as they're there, hopefully we'll start going a little bit more. And that was the game winner against the Buffalo Sabres, and you want the two points. But the final score was 5-4, to four, and the 5 was good. The 4 not so much against a team that was averaging barely over two goals per game. In fact, the Penguins have given up four goals in the last three games. Three consecutive games. By the way, they haven't won two games in a row in three weeks, October 24th and October 26th. So it's it's about time for that. But in those last four games, they allowed four or more against Buffalo, which was a win, the overtime loss in Nashville and against Washington. Their defense overall has not been good. As I mentioned a bit earlier, They've given up the second most amount of goals in the NHL. Only Arizona 
the poor Arizona Coyotes, whom the Penguins struggle to beat, by the way, have given up more. Penguins have given up 72, Arizona 79. Okay, the Penguins and Arizona have played 20 games each, so they've played more than most of the other teams. But average per game, the Penguins have given up 3.55 goals per game. And that's more than a goal more than they gave up a year ago. Obviously, there's an issue. Part of the problem is that they have been shorthanded more than any other team in the NHL. I've been talking about this. They've been shorthanded 80 times in 20 games. That can't continue. Their power play percentage is not great. It's mediocre. So if you're going to be in the box that many times, your penalty kill better be better. But even if it is better, you don't want to be in the penalty box that often, shorthanded, because guys like Crosby and Malkin and Kessel are off the ice. They don't kill penalties, except for the last few seconds if they think there's a possibility they can get there. Andy tweets, Penn's defensive struggles have been a result of two things, poor puck management at both blue lines and poor play in the neutral zone. Teams are coming into the neutral zone unchecked with speed. Makes it harder for the defenseman to gap up successfully. And also, when we talk about puck management, offensive puck management, you've got to puck more down in there in the Penguins' offensive zone. Obviously, you're playing offense and not defense. One other thing to keep in mind. I've talked about Ryan Reeves, and he comes as advertised. But I also wonder, you know, when somebody perpetrates something against the Penguins, shouldn't Reeves get his revenge on the guy who perpetrated? Makes sense to me, if you can. The other factor is, Ryan Reeves has taken penalties four times after the Penguins have scored a goal. Now, you like... And know that Mike Sullivan likes to put out his fourth line after the Penn score. Wants a defensive presence, but four times Reeves has been out there and taken penalties. That's not exactly the way to preserve momentum. Got to be smarter than that. By the way, Matt Hunwick skated with the team this morning at an optional morning skate in Ottawa, but he will not play. So Ruedel, still in the lineup, Matt Hunwick will not play in tonight's game. We'll talk more hockey with Mark Madden and some Steelers football. Keep in mind, I want you to evaluate this current Steelers rookie class. Will tonight be the breakout night? And what about this video game presentation by NBC slash the NFL Network? That's all ahead today on Savern on Sports. If there's going to be injuries, guys got to step up, um, not only in the back end, but in the front end as well. So uh, we got to get more pressure. Um, we got to get ourselves in more you know, popular situations where, you know, we can light our hair on fire and get after the quarterback. That is Cameron Hayward having a Pro Bowl season for sure, an all-pro season perhaps, as one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, getting pressure on a guy who's very difficult to rush because – we talk about mobile quarterbacks. Not only can Marcus Mariota run, they actually run option plays with him, read options. So it's something for that good Steeler pass rush to consider. Mark, Mark Madden joins us now. Mark, every Thursday at 1230, brought to us by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Um, 
I pose the question to people, and I do have this feeling, uh, is this the night the Steeler offense breaks out? I think it might be the night the Tennessee offense breaks out. Uh, I'm not discounting the Steelers because that offense has to do better than it's done uh, all season long, really averaging just shy 21 points per game when uh, we were talking about 30 points every game before the season started. Uh, The offense hasn't been as advertised. And for them to get to where they want to go, it has to be. Uh, It it might be a night the Steelers' offense breaks out. The Tennessee defense is middle of the pack statistically. Uh, I'd love to see Lev Bell have a big game. But then again, he's been either feast or famine all year. He's either had good games or not so good games. His raw yardage is great, but his 3.8 yards per carry isn't good. 3.1 last week. But that Tennessee offense, Dan, you mentioned that read option. That is something the Steelers have trouble with if it's run correctly because Ryan Shazier, who's normally the strength of that defense in the middle, is a weakness against an offense like this because he tends to over-pursue, overreact, And when the guy in the middle gets out of his pursuit lane, it screws things up for everybody else. So I expect Tennessee to go very heavy read option, especially early, and see if Shazier bites because if he does and the Steelers fall behind – he might keep biting all night long. It's a double-edged sword because they have the speed to deal with that but on defense, but what comes with that... But maybe not the savvy stand. No, that's it. When you over-pursue, they have cutback runs. That's why they have difficulty Look against Chicago. those teams. The Bears and teams who run you know, that style of game. Well, even the Dolphins last year with uh, Ajay. That's one of the problems they have. So it is a double-edged sword. They, they have one of the speediest defense in the NFL, but... You can get out of position, too. Yeah, no no question. And the Bears didn't have the read option scheme. They just had some good cutback running on the day. But Shazier, he's another guy. He's We just talked about Lev Bell. His performance, and I think he's very good, but it's either feast or famine. He is prone to bad days when he over-pursues. And then you have the problem of trying to stir Cody Sensabaugh, who I thought played good after Hayden got hurt in the game at, at Indy. But he's still, you know, making his first start of the year. Artie Burns has had a couple nightmares recently. That uh, double move has proven to be a a pox on him. So I'm curious to see how the Steelers play and respond to recent performances on both sides of the ball tonight. I just, I expect, uh, maybe with Lev Bell, less is more. Uh, I still believe that he's got to be a very valuable weapon. He is a very valuable weapon. But I don't see the kind of break. When I say breakaway, I don't mean running for 70 yards. No, no, the burst. The burst. The burst ain't there right now. It just isn't. And I wonder, I, I wonder why. I, you know, the, and I asked Jerry Dulac this yesterday. Let's remember something. That groin injury that eventually knocked him out of the Patriot game had been bothering him for a while, even though he had the great playoff games against Kansas City and Miami. He didn't say anything because, you know, he's gaining 170 yards. So I I just wonder if there's something going on there. Yeah, the groin injuries can be kind of cumulative too, Stan. Coming off Uh, surgery. uh, Right, the strain, the wear and tear. So I don't know. It's weird. It seems like we're complaining a lot about a 7-2 and team. But there's there's stuff to complain about. There's stuff to be worried about. Wonder about is probably a more accurate way of putting it. Yeah, you it's certainly worthy of analyzing. And the good news is, if you believe that they are capable of much more, which I think we all do, then you say you're fortunate and in good shape to be 7-2 and two with the best yet to come. And you know what? The expectations, not only that the media had and the fans had, they had. They're the ones who came up with the number 30. 
The truth is they don't have to get to that number because the defense has progressed much more quickly than anyone imagined. Yeah, there's some uh, unexpected irony there. Uh, Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, who I like a great deal, yep. wrote a column about how Pittsburgh is obsessed with New England. And, and I enjoyed it, and it's true. And you know why it's true? Because it should be true. Uh, I think if the Steelers played the Patriots in a 101-game series under playoff implications, the Patriots would win in 51. I don't think the Steelers are anywhere near having what it takes to beat New England in a playoff game because of the shortcomings we're talking about, because of the over-pursuit on defense, because the underachieving on offense. I just don't see the Steelers beating New England. And uh, if you look at the standings, it's pretty evident to me it's very likely to come down to that again this year as last year. Yep, no question. And until the Steelers beat the Patriots in that circumstance, there will always be questions, can they? And you have to do it to shut people up. Uh, they've never beaten the Patriots in a playoff game in the Ben and Brady era, 0-3. Yep. And that dates way back into the early part of the millennium. Uh, the only recent game was last year's AFC Championship game. But it also uh, stands as fact that the two Super Bowls the Steelers have won in that era – they didn't beat New England. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Again. I mean, New England's been in six straight AFC championship games. That's amazing. How could you not think it's going to come down to that? It put it this way. If either team doesn't show up, the Steelers are more likely to not be there. Well, the best thing about that is potentially, um, and I don't think this would happen, uh, but if if the Patriots had to play Kansas City before the AFC championship game, which is reasonable, that's an old triangle, you know. No, um, no, it's rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Ali, Kansas City beats New England. Ali, New England. Ali could beat uh, uh, Frazier. Frazier could knock out Foreman. But, Stan, let's keep it simple for the kids. Paper, rock, scissors. Okay. Kansas City beats <laughs> New England. New England beats Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh beat Kansas City. It's a matter of how the playoff matchups fall. And that's why you need that home field. You want to force New England and Kansas City to play before the winner gets to you. Which almost happened last year, and um, uh, to the Steelers' chagrin, it did not. Let me switch to hockey for a moment. The, they're in Ottawa. I just told people that Matt Hunwick will not play tonight. Yeah, that ain't good. No, it's a, he skated with them, so maybe that represents some progress. But he's not He's not going to be in the lineup. Uh, Mark, the Penguins, um, they found their scoring touch but they're allowing the last three games almost as many wide than they scored. Too wide open. All right. What, what's going? They, they are fourth worst in goals per game right. um, average. Um, they're not playing solidly. It's not all on the goaltender, certainly. Uh, people say, well, they got blown out 10 to 1. Well, you're still averaging 3.55 goals per game. What's going on? Lack of structure in the neutral zone. Uh, in particular – I was astounded. It's been happening so much lately, I decided to count at the beginning of the game against uh, Buffalo Buffalo on Tuesday. The Penguins are allowing odd man breaks like crazy. In fact, they allowed four odd man breaks to Buffalo in the first 12 minutes of the game. And most of it happened because the defensemen were pinching on the wall, which they're supposed to do. That's part of, of, of their forecheck. The defenseman pinched on the wall. Cole got caught on the first goal. Well, yeah, but he, he did what he was supposed to do. What, what's happened is the forwards are anticipating the puck staying in on the pinch instead of clearing out to cover for the defenseman who pinched. You're allowed to linger a little bit, but you linger on the defensive side of the puck. Forwards are get caught lingering on the offensive side of the puck. And it's leading not only to odd man break stand, but very long odd man breaks where the 
uh, other team has a lot of time to make decisions because the Penguins are in no position to catch up. Naturally, you look at the defensive side, but I want to focus on what you just talked about. Um, aside from the forwards getting back where they're supposed to be, how much of it is mismanagement or mishandling of the puck? In, the, in other words, how much of this do you blame on the lack of puck management offensively? A very little. Very little. I blame it almost all on the the forwards not reacting to where the puck is. The defense, if there's a 50-50 puck down the boards or even 40-60 in the other team's favor, the defense is supposed to pinch. That's what they're supposed to do. The forwards aren't reacting properly, period. I, well, I, get- I, I watched that game. I watched that first period in particular twice. And I kept, you know, going back and forth over the odd man breaks. That's exactly what was happening. Well, maybe I didn't explain myself properly. What I meant, uh, what I mean is, um, you know, their game is puck possession. Right. When when you have the puck, they don't. Oh, a lot of giveaways, you mean? Yeah, and yeah, and, a lot of giveaways. And not controlling the puck down in you know the Penguins' offensive zone in front of the opposing goaltender. How much of a factor is that? Been? It, it's a factor, not as big as as the uh, as the uh, lack of accountability in the neutral zone on pinches. But, yeah, it's a factor. And, Stan, bad giveaways in their defensive zone, too. I mean, that one where Sid misread Dumoulin and he gave it right to Eichel for the backdoor stuff, it's just it's sloppy hockey, Stan. That's an easy way to describe it, but it's an accurate way to describe it. But I think it cleans itself up. In fact, I think we're in the process of seeing it clean itself up. I keep saying again and again, and all the perfectionists out there don't want to hear this, it's tough to get psyched up for Buffalo in November after Game 6 in Nashville just a few months ago. That's just the mental and emotional nature of professional sports when you're on a good team. I think that's that, that's pretty evident. You know, it's funny. We didn't experience the same kind of thing last year. Um, is it possible that the cumulative effect really took hold this fall as yes. opposed to last fall? Yes. By the amount of games they've played or the level of satisfaction that comes from having won two consecutive cups? Not so much the level of satisfaction. I don't think anybody there is is satisfied to that degree. But I just think uh, 213 games in two seasons. And I think uh, when they came back after winning one Stanley Cup, they were a year younger, a year less fatigued. If you want to figure this into the factor, yeah, a year less jaded too. But those 213 games, Stan, I say that out loud, and I can't believe it. And I remember something Sid said to me, and I hope it doesn't apply now. But you'll recall they made the final in 08, won in 09, which is the same burden as they're facing right now. And they lost to Montreal. And and when they had their breakup thing, I said to Sid, I said, uh, boy, it's a shame to get past Montreal because the bracket was kind of clearing out. And he looked at me, and he shook his head, and he goes, I don't know. We were exhausted. Now, true, uh, they they had had a lot of guys playing the Olympics that year as well, and that that was an incredibly tough road for a guy like Sid or Malkin to hoe. But uh, but I remember he said that, and I wonder how that applies to now. Then well, again, the guys may be older now, and that may affect them. You know, the guys who are still around, but they know how to handle it better too. Yeah, um, and the schedule lightens up a little bit for them, and they have the game I, Saturday. How could it not? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that, ridiculous. Like, that Stan, didn't help. You hate to complain. And you hate to feel like you're making excuses on behalf it's, of the it's team. It's a fact. That schedule for the first 20 games was absurd. The NHL should be embarrassed they put their showpiece team in that kind of circumstance. Well, it does lighten up now. Chicago uh, Saturday, and then they don't play again until Wednesday against uh, against Vancouver, although it's another three games and four nights next week, Thanksgiving 
uh, weekend as but well. But they're getting some home games. Right. 13 of, well, it was 13 of 19 going into the Buffalo game. So Correct. Much, much better. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Stan. 3-2-6 today on 105.9 The X. Uh, the Pirates have to make a change. Maybe they didn't want to, but they did in their uh, scouting department. And don't forget, in the uh, 1 o'clock hour, your evaluation of the Steelers' rookie crop thus far. Uh, also, the sky cam thing you're going to see tonight if you're watching the game uh, uh, on TV, wherever you're going to watch it. And Dave McGinnis, the former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, now the color commentator on the Titans radio network, he will be joining us for our scouting report on the Titans at 1.30. That's all ahead on Savern on Sports. Well, Rene Gallo, who for the last 12, 13 years has been the director of Latin American scouting, which is very important because there's no drafting of those players. You go out and you scout them, you sign them. And obviously, Polanco and Marte are the first two uh, that come to mind. But Rene Gallo also responsible for finding guys like uh, Elias Diaz and Jose Asuna. Uh, he has been terminated by the Pirates. They're not going to renew his contract because... Major League Baseball is conducting an investigation where allegedly he was receiving kickbacks from a team. Um, Not exactly sure how that all worked or what happened, but apparently there were violations committed. There are rules involving these kinds of things, and not exactly, again, they haven't specified or laid out exactly what he is alleged to have done or what rules he allegedly has broken, but there is an investigation which could lead to him getting punished. I don't know about criminally, but in terms of his future employment by a major league team, and the Pirates have decided that they're not going to renew his contract. By and large, he was regarded as one of the better scouts. He was the guy who tried to get him or found or helped find Miguel Sano. And the Pirates didn't pony up as much as the Minnesota Twins did. And the guy's a butcher defensively, but oh, man, can he hit. Oh, man, can he hit. He's a hack defensively, but he can hit. Also, I was talking to someone last night they asked me about Jung Ho Gung, and now he's playing winter ball. Apparently, Buster only reported that he's been awful playing down in winter ball. I, I don't, I'm going to try to find that out, what his stats are down there. But apparently, Buster only reported that the reports that he'd gotten, both statistically and what they've seen, that Gung wasn't doing a thing. So maybe they can hire Renee Gallo to scout the. Asian Pacific Rim, I don't know. All right, Steelers rookie class, really good last year. How would you evaluate them for this year? More thoughts on will they break out offensively tonight? The sky cam you're going to see. Scouting report coming up at 1.30. That's next on Saverin on Steelers.